Welcome to the Beginner Audiophile Show, where we bridge the gap between the clueless big box stores and the snobby stereo shops. Every show is filled with gear reviews, commentary, and interviews aimed to find out what makes a real-world difference in your listening experience, how to get the most bang for your buck, and frankly, how to begin experiencing your music the way it was intended. And now, your co-hosts, Dr. Paul Anderson and Michael O'Neill. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Beginner Audiophile. It's Michael O'Neill here in sunny San Diego, California, joined by one Dr. Paul Anderson. And you're still in what, Beverly Hills, California? Is that correct? I, I don't know if you're in Phoenix at the moment. How are you, bud? I'm very good. How are you? Very well. Thank you very much. Um, we're going to cover a few things. First, we're going to cover how awesome SVS is. SVS, this episode is sponsored by the very people of SVS. I have in my studio here a pair of their Rad uh, SVS Prime Wireless speakers connected to the SVS 1000 subwoofer. And that is actually my computer sound system. And it is awesome. I have a um, AudioQuest Dragonfly USB going out from the computer uh, right into the SVS and it sounds phenomenal. I've got a, uh, I've got Title running through it. I've got all the things, and when I listen to all my things on YouTube and on Title and whatever, it is a full, amazing sound. Check out everything SVS does at SV. It's actually svsound.com. So it's svsound, svsound.com. And Paul, in this episode, I thought we would talk about reinventing. The audio show experience. And I thought we would do that because I want to hear a bit. You just attended the show in Southern California, which is a stalwart, a longtime audiophile show that they have in a hotel. They probably had it for 30 years now. And you have attended in 2019. And I wanted to get your take on kind of the overall vibe and then what you thought was great at the show and what you thought maybe was not so great. How does that sound? Sounds great. Okay. So, so give us the beginner audio file, like overview, you walk in the door and just kind of tell me about your experience over the, the couple of days of going to this show. You needed a lot more money. That, that was sort of the theme. It was, there was very little in the beginner audio file range, budget range. And I heard some great things. You know, I heard systems where the turntable, the speakers, and the uh, phono amp alone were three hundred grand. Mm. You know, and it's it's hard not to be successful when you're spending that kind of dollars. But surprisingly, they couldn't battle the acoustics of the of the show, which was a major problem. What do you mean? Um, well. Uh, the money couldn't outspend the, 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 basically the rooms were really bad. Um, just the sound acoustics were really tough and very few, whether they were high end or even mid fi of the rooms solved the sound issue, or even in some cases, I'm not even sure they were aware how bad the sound was. Mm. And so it was interesting. The better designers what I sort of came away with were really, they were very aware of synergy. They were very aware that you were listening to the room 
the speakers were usually asymmetrical. I could tell when they were, you know, regardless of price point. But if I walked into these really funky rooms, but they usually had a headboard um, stapled to the wall or bolted to the wall on one side, which automatically gives you just a very weird sound. And the speakers are symmetrical. There's no way that would work. So it was interesting. I'd say out of all the rooms, there was less than five that actually was looking at the room acoustics and understanding you listen to the room, you don't listen to the speaker. Uh, the size of the speakers was like penises. They thought bigger was better. And I saw yeah. huge speakers in tiny little rooms. Um, I didn't say, you know, when we, used to, when we go to, to Rocky Mountain and other shows, as often there's these rooms where they have little delicate speakers and smaller speakers. That, that wasn't too much of that. And price point was was just sort of on the uh, stratosphere. So stratosphere, and then sort of not understanding where it's going. Um, a lot of brands weren't there, but of the brands that were there, uh, it seemed that you know um, only one was really getting it. Hmm. Only only one got the lifestyle speaker. You know, we can make it happen. So that was Dyn Audio. Dyn Audio. Yeah. And both Bo, um and uh BMW um really got it. I mean re- BMW had a whole lifestyle thing and they're trying to put together a whole ecosystem where you're just streaming to the speakers and they were working on that. And the sound it was again, it was difficult to tell, but uh what he was describing, I'd have to hear in a different environment, but they certainly got it. You know, you buy the box, you stream to it, right? Then the box is the speaker. That's your whole gear. Right. And and that wasn't there, really. It was very, very much a dinosaur show. I was waiting for the tar pit. <laughs> so, like, when you looked around, you know, the, the joke that I used to make is, like, I'm in this room with a bunch of 70-year-olds. It, that, did, that, that was the case. There's no millennials <laughs> there. And it was big dollars, and they're, they would argue over, over minutiae, and it's like, I get it, but you know this room really sounds bad? <laughs> right. So and it was interesting talking to a few of the designers that really got it, but they were still super high-end in terms of pricing. Um, you know, minimum $14,000 speakers and up, and the usual stalwarts were there. Vandersteen was there, and I always loved their speakers, whether that's the, you know, the 1 Series all the way up to the 7 Series. Loved them. So they're always a, a good time, but even they weren't selling very good in, the, in these rooms. They just seem to be out of a major disconnect with where it's going and the price point. And it really, at the end of the day, was there wasn't a lot of synergy. I actually had one designer tell me, and he, was, he had $14,000 speakers, and he was using this gear that was, I don't know, probably $30,000, $40,000 worth of gear, and he didn't like it because he wasn't getting good synergy. So sometimes they partner at the show, and it doesn't always work out. So it was interesting, you know, he was very aware that his gear wasn't sounding the way it should because of the room and also because of the synergy. Meet, so, so, kind of just, so just to, just to uh, sorry to interrupt, but like when you say synergy, you mean the, like how an amplif- a particular amplifier pairs with a particular pair of speakers or something like that, right? Yes, and that, that, was, so that was a major theme that there seemed to be a lot of mismatch. And then what I couldn't believe is how ignorant they were about digital sources. Um, so most of them were using Tidal sure. to stream through Wi-Fi at a hotel. Have they not stayed at a hotel before? I use Tidal and I do 
stream in my hotel room. It, it you're lucky to get the resolution just because of the imagine and imagine they're all doing that at the same time. So it's bandwidth problems. And the second of all, why aren't you running something like Rune, which buffers? So Rune really improves the sound of the title. And all the rooms, I only uh, Bowers and Wilkins, Wilkinsons were using Rune when they were, and if they would stream and they'd also play files locally, there was virtually no uh, servers. Everyone was coming off the computer, and it's like, well, it's, I mean, that's not how digital audio works. So they seem to not be very aware of sort of how to maximize digital audio. Not not spending a lot of money, just there's some things you can do that would have drastically improved their digital sources. But by 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 and large, they were awful. Hmm. Uh, the analog sources were good because a lot of them had really expensive turntables, and you play a record, and there was the psychedelic reel-to-reel dude, which I really liked. It was like you know should be smoking bongs, and I mean his room was cool. He's playing sixties and seventies rock and his real to real was awesome. Yeah, because analog sources, right, solves the problem. So they're not only dinosaurs from the sense of where it's going, but also understanding how to do digital. It's, it, they were just lazy. They hadn't taken the time to learn. And when and, it, and sometimes they'd ask me a question, and I, most of the time I'd answer one guy says, "No, I really want to know what you think." And I told him, and it was like, I, I, it was it was like I peed in this cornflakes. I mean, it was like. <laughs> You know, it's like the guy was streaming title and it sounded terrible. And it's like, look, I'm just telling you. And then, oh, and that, that guy was also using a CD player. And I said, look, you, you understand, right? That especially an inexpensive CD player, there's error correction on it. A computer sounds better because it'll buffer. What you don't get with uh, the, uh, the, the inexpensive CD players, better CD players actually have buffers and they function more like computers. They actually pull the data off. And then, then they, they actually stream it from the the disk or the buffer that they have there. So Whereas, uh, let, let me just, um, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Let me, let you finish that sentence. Yeah, Whereas so what? This understanding of digital sources mattered and they didn't seem to have it either. They were really lazy and had a bunch of CDs. They stuck in a cheap CD player and it's like, you got $100,000 worth of gear and you got a $200 CD player. Right. But no offense, but why? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't get it. Just, just to, to, I want to clarify a couple of things with title and rune, and so there's not, like the audio doesn't necessarily drop off, with, with if you know you're on hotel Wi-Fi, like, but it 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 stalls, like when you're on title on like a regular kind of crummy network, it doesn't have a great buffer capability, like it's okay, but you can experience a lot of pauses and weird stuff. Whereas Rune has not only a better buffing feature, but they have anti-clipping, which is uh, really good, and an upsampling algorithm that makes the sounds sound uh, better. So they've put a little more work into, like, what happens if we get a, a, a crummy stream, and how can we make that stream sound better? So just to clarify for you guys, like, when you li- if you're on a fast network listening to Tidal, it's fine. But... But Rune offers some nice perks um, if you're on, you know, not, not a great network or if you want to just maximize the sound of Tidal. So that that's a thing. Yeah, um, and I agree. You know, um, the upsampling is a whole other discussion because some people like the sound of upsampling and others don't. That's sort of a personal preference. Uh, some swear by it. Others are like, I like native. 
Right. Sure. Well, there's a lot of, yeah, either way. But in terms of if you're at a show and you're trying to sell your gear um, and title will turn down its resolution when it's streaming, if it can just hang in there, it actually starts to drop the resolution. What's interesting. I'm not sure they could hear it. I'm not, I mean, it would just, I could hear the digital sources were really bad. Uh, and interesting, one of my favorite speakers, MBL, which are the the droids. They had the droids in the room. And um, again, had no idea that the room acoustics were so bad. And there was a reviewer that wrote that, 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 that this room was amazing sounding. And it's like the acoustics, the room below, the speaker design saying how bad the acoustics were. And above, they didn't even know. And the reviewer was rant, ranting about, oh, it's is amazing. And I'm going... No, it wasn't. Hmm. Right. So, well, it, 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 it was just very interesting, sort of the lack of attention to detail and understanding. And I, I think we could have put on a show and said, you know, spend $3,000 and less and blew away most of the rooms, even right. managing the room problem. Right. Well, and that's the thing that people have to do. Right. I mean, that's part of that's part of this is being able to manage a room. And because not everyone's going to have perfectly, you know, square or rectangular, you know, symmetrical rooms. So you have to, you got to learn a bit about that. So, yeah, you would think, right? The, I think the, the overall of what I'm hearing from you is that there's a lot of these sort of stalwart, you know, speaker companies and, and audio companies that, that aren't, they're not paying a lot of attention to what's happening right now, which is, there's all of this disruption happening, you know, under $5,000, even under $3,000. Um, and for speakers, even cheaper than that, you know, we've, we've certainly learned from ELAC how, how good they can make a $500 speaker. And now, is that, you know, full-on audiophile grade? No, but you and I have also heard a number of very surprisingly great speakers that are under three grand that you just you just hear them with stuff that's not all that expensive and the you know if you're a hobbyist and you're into this thing for a few grand you go man i mean where what do you want this is just like you know you pair some of those what do we say the ls50 wireless with a with a rel sub you're gonna go yeah you shrug your shoulders and go all right like you're gonna spend a lot more money to get a better sound than this if if that particular sound is what you cater to and it's just weird for me that like some of these companies i I remember having a conversation with a guy he goes oh yeah we're uh we're we're really starting to focus on the consumer market we've got this new piece coming out and and here it is here's the first prototype and he goes yeah but he goes yeah this is uh this is 12 i said oh cool that's you know 1200 he's like no twelve thousand. i was like oh that's the consumer one okay yeah okay i'll see you later i'll see you in three years when you're liquidating your business so I don't know, man. It's a, it's a weird vibe. So let's, you know, I have an idea and I would love to, this, this is a hypothetical. Okay. So I'm going to share a couple of these with you, Paul, and we're going to re, we're going to free think the audio show of 2020, let's say. So it's up to us. Let's say it's up to us to put on an audio show. We can do anything we want. We have any capability that we want to. All right? That's the, that's the hypothetical we're working under. So we have no restrictions on this. So this is you 
talking about your dream conference. Okay. Um, are you good with that? You understand the premise? I'm, I got you. You got me. So I've had a few ideas around this. Um, this has been bandied about a bit. And you and I have been to so many conferences that have nothing to do with audio, right? We've been out in the world and doing things like that. And I thought, let's, let's, let's change how these things are done. So the first thing I would do, and maybe we can go back and forth uh, with some of these. I have, a, I have a whole list of things, and I know I'm sort of putting you on the spot with this. But um, the first thing I would do is I would change the venue idea. So when you've been to Cedia, when I've gone to Cedia or to NAM, we've also both been to NAM, which is the North American Music and Merchants show. Sometimes companies have these like rooms that they build right there in the middle of the show floor. Like GoPro had one and it's a fully soundproofed room that they can set up any way they want. And you and I have been to shows like Cedia where they set up full home theaters and stuff like that. So the first thing I would do is I would take the show out of the dark hallways of hotels because everyone always complains about the room. I don't like just going down this dark hallway. I don't like how isolated and separated everything feels. Like it just feels like you're in this almost clinical environment. And this is supposed to be this fun kind of rock and roll. I want to experience music. So I want to take it out of that. And I want to put it into either one big room like they do Can Jam or like in a big parking lot where all of these pods are built. Let's say there's like 30 pods on the tarmac and those are all different listening rooms. So that's my first because I, I want to do that. I want to surround it with food trucks. I want to have maybe a, like a little live music playing or something like that. Like that's the first thing I would do is change the venue. Do you have any ideas around venue? Well, I, I think around venue is is one of the things that sort of isn't sort of taught, whether it's on venue or whether it's YouTube, because I want to talk to you about using some YouTube. But one is understanding sources everything. Now you can have the greatest gear, and I don't care what it costs and how brilliant you are with the room and synergy. But if your source sucks, the system sucks. And so understanding the front end is everything. And Robert Haley talked about this as well from, I think he's from Absolute Sound. It's one of the big dogs there. He's been there forever. And he wrote a wonderful article about that. And I experienced that. I mean, I can, I've taken some very low end gear and put in some really good front end. And it's extraordinary what I can get out of it. So that's sort of the, that's my educational. And the second thing is teaching people about rooms and just how to place gear in the room and, uh, understand about you know diffusion and walls and understanding about the whole acoustic experience and then the final thing is trust well, your ears. Well, hold on, don't uh, we? We got to go back and forth here. We got a whole we have a whole segment. Um, but I want to comment on the thing you just said, which is I had just written down: show people what it's like when you put speakers in an empty reflective room then gradually go through the process of optimizing it for sound. First, you add carpet, then you add curtains. You take care of first order reflections. You start, you know, moving speakers in the way that, and you want people to, um, to be able to experience that. So that is absolutely part of this idea, which is I want to have like a beginner section for all facets of this. 
So not only speaker set, which you know I you and I have talked about a lot, but let's say we have a speaker set room. Let's say we have a room that is for uh, acoustic treatment. Let's say that uh, for the headphone section, somebody gets to hear what flat headphones sound like next to, you know, what is it? The Dolby Curve. Is that what it's called? The Dolby Curve headphones versus like Beats by Dr. Dre headphones. And so they can hear all that before they go and listen to stuff. Right. So they have some idea. So I love the idea. So I think what you're saying is it would be nice to have a, a, a teaching spot and like have different teaching pods where people can learn some of the nuance of this. Is that what you're saying? Cause that's, I 100% agree. Uh, yes. And actually, actually people being able to actually hear or and whether they move the speakers around or whatever, but actually hear it. Yeah. And then you have to learn also what you like because a lot of what you read and, you know, you, especially when you're reading these reviewers, you have to start to understand are their ears like you? Because you and I hear very differently. Matt hears differently. So it's like, so I found some reviewers where I've heard gear, I have a sense of what it's like, and then I have a read a review and it's like, oh, they're like me. And then I'll That's read the, the, the reviews. So it's the same sort of thing when you, when you come to this. You have to learn what you like. And at the end of the day, this whole hobby is about what you like. And also where you start today is not maybe where you're going to be in a year, two years. Your years have changed dramatically since we started working together. Far more sensitive. Initially, you couldn't hear some of the things that I was hearing. And I still can't hear some of the things Matt hears and Shankar and others. But your ears will improve over time and change. It's like learning to drink wine or in scotch. You know, same idea. So having it so that wherever you're at, you can hear, I like that, I don't like that. And having different types of audio experiences so you can hear go, I don't like that. that so you like, improve. are you sort of advocating for, because we, we talk, I talked to uh, Ari Morgolian about this a little bit today, and he talked about um, like head-to-head. You know, having a having kind of a they do it in every other conference, but it would be really cool to have a head to head kind of speaker thing happening here. Obviously, the the manufacturers would have to be willing, but it would be cool to hear, you know, two different sets of speakers out of the same gear that were all within a certain price point. So you could go, yeah, you know, kind of like what they do at the, you know, the 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 big box stores. But now we're we're doing it in a professional way and, you know, hopefully every speaker manufacturer has the floor taped up so they can, you know, maximize the sound. That's going to be up to them. Um, I, one of the main things, uh, another idea I had was that, um, let's say the conference would be all the gear would have to be less than $3,000 for, <coughs> per you know, so you couldn't have a and you couldn't have a four thousand dollar amplifier. So it'd have to cap off at let's say twenty nine ninety nine for whatever the piece of gear was, which which again I think opens up a lot of opportunity at the two hundred, three hundred, five hundred thousand, fifteen hundred dollar range for all the stuff. But I had this cool idea where, you know, we would still have manufacturers come and bring their gear, and that's cool. We would definitely do that. But how about we have three $1,000 rooms, three $5,000 rooms, and three $10,000 rooms. Those rooms are put together 
by outsiders. So people that don't work for a specific company and they can pick whatever they want to put in those rooms. So that, and so now we have $3,000 rooms that are full of whatever gear anybody wanted to. And then the audience, as we come through, they can vote for which of the systems sound better. And now we have three winners in each one of those categories. Best sounding $1,000 room, best sounding $5,000, best sounding $10,000 room. What do you think? Oh, I absolutely love it. But remember, you know, part of what we're voting is sort of the majority likes that, but there'll be others that won't like it. So again, it's going to be an individual. That's all right. People vote for whatever they like. But where we are today is like, we're still talking a little bit about separates. In a year or two, we're not going to have a separates discussion. But, but even if you got this show on the road in the next while, it's just going to be active speakers. At the end of the day, all of this is going away. All these different boxes and all this. The only thing that's going to stay is, you know, there's a big resurgence in vinyl and you got to be able to connect your vinyl to your to your speakers that have to have AD, which is analog digital conversion ability to convert the analog over. But outside of that, it's just going to be wireless, baby. That's where we're going. And um, I think, was that that show I've read about? There's now uh, the first time I saw a really decent wireless home theater. Mm. And this is where we're going. Uh, and oh, I think Bowers and Wilkinson's is going to actually come out with a wireless home theater speakers. Very interesting. So well, they're starting to try to solve this this problem. So I think in the next few years, is you're going to be listening to different levels of these wireless speakers. Because remember, when you put in Class D, and Class D problems have been well fixed by this point, and you put it in there and you've got your AD and your DA, your, your digital analog converter, or your pulse width module, so you don't even have a converter in there, you're going to have just different range of speakers. You know, small, medium, large, and you have different companies, different sort of signatures. But once it, the design gets within the speaker, they can do active crossover. And once you do active crossover, their ability to produce great sound. That's why you like the kept wireless. I like the kept wireless much better than the wired, even if you did great gear. Because for me, it solves some of the sonic things I don't love about it. Mm. So I really like the Kef wireless. Because you, you can actively EQ them if you want to. Yeah, they, were, just, they were a little harsh for you. I happen to like the that the little harsher because I have a little 4K drop in my ears. So it's perfect for me. Um, you well, know, yeah, I, I, was gonna, I was just about to say that Kef is, you know, rumor has it, they're not stopping at the LS50 wireless. And I think the next thing we're going to see is probably a three to $5,000 uh, pair of speakers from Kef that are that are the same. They're going to be powered by their own internal amp, and you're going to be able to stick them in your stick them in your room, and you're going to have incredible sound and probably not need a subwoofer. You know. Well, I, we can argue about you always need a subwoofer because I think you need to pressurize the room, but that's a different discussion. But yeah, you, the the blades with which you love will love come. The blades. That's right. And they, they'll, they'll even be better than you, what you heard. So that's where it's going. And that's why the show was so disappointing. And putting on a show, basically a lot of the stuff that you, you, you used to have to know how to do, you won't have to know how to do. You don't have to know about cables and matching cables. And what does that mean? And we're going to argue about whether cables make a difference. That don't matter. There is no cables. It's wireless, baby. Right. So now okay. So different discussion about source and placement and rooms. And so we've simplified what we're doing. 
thought we're going to get much better sound for less dollars. And so, you could you'd have a show based on that. And so that would be like the millennial progressive show. That's what I mean. I think that's what this is. But I think what you're advocating is having a um, having a section, a dedicated section to this theoretical show of like a powered wireless. Every, that's all you see there. It's like these modern. You can Bluetooth to them if you want to, or you can critically listen if you want to. Uh, maybe they're rune enabled, etc. Like that's that's going to be a big part of this, and I I have to agree. Um, one one idea I had with this as well was, you know, even though the whole show is everything has to be less than you know three grand per piece of gear, there would be one reference system that I would require. Actually, I don't want to say require, but it would be encouraged that when someone gets there. They go to the reference system room and, you know, we would just pick whatever it is that was going to set. We'd, we'd have to maximize a great room. Like you and I would do the Kef blades or the Burmeisters and some great amp and, you know, have a really nice setup where it punched us in the chest the way we like it and go, all right, that's reference that, you know, that's $85,000 for that setup. But now someone who goes to the show can hear what it's, you know, quote unquote, supposed to sound like. Yes, there's going to be sonic differences. Yes, everybody's ear is different. But, eh, you know, when when we all walked out of that Yosef audio room, we were all like, uh, yeah, that was awesome. And we all listened differently. So let's say that we've got some killer master system that you walk in, you get your badge, and you go in and you listen to the master system, and then you go listen to all the other stuff. So you know, and you can always go back and forth to compare it. So people have some idea of like, here's the ideal, or here's a... Here's what a great sounding system sounds like. And now you're going to go hear a $10,000 system and see what that sounds like to you. And, you know, which one sounds better or walk into some manufacturer's room. So I want it to be more of an experience than it is now. I, th I want more networking. I would like people to talk more, you know, because people don't. It's not that kind of deal. Um, so there would be kind of networking events and it'd be cool to have like a Facebook group where people could share their systems ahead of time. So people could sort of like you know, talk back and forth about what they have and what they're looking for. And, you know, for the manufacturers, this is killer data. We're giving them amazing data based on what people are actually asking for uh, in the marketplace instead of, you know, a bunch of $75,000 beautiful bespoke speakers. Um, anyway, so that's kind of my, is that what I have from, uh, for my list here? Um, I've just written down, we need power, we need internet, we need bathrooms, we need food, we need rest and relaxation. Um, yeah, I just wrote also, it would be nice to not do it in a hotel and maybe do it in an open field with put together rooms, not a field necessarily, but like a parking lot or something or some kind of big ballroom where there's individual rooms and everyone's sort of part of it. Um, it doesn't get so loud. I think part of the reason why I would like to stay away from a ballroom is because it gets so incredibly loud when people are all milling about in that ballroom, and it's not it's not great for acoustics. But then if you're in a a uh, a sealed room that you know a ten by twenty room that we've 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 put together, um, then you can r keep it relatively quiet, you know, because people aren't yelling and stuff outside. What would you do? What else? What's what's another idea you would have if you could do anything? Um, you've covered it all. I okay. mean, I think that having a, a live music demonstration beside 
the someone playing and then having the stereo play is like the supposed the ideal is that you want to have to match live instruments and when you hear it you realize how different it really is oh that would be cool like you're saying to have like a live trio or a live band play and then have maybe a pair of those big ass clips you know and a nice system and they the band would play that song and then we the system would play the song and you'd hear what it, the difference is that would be really cool actually yeah and then you can have a piano and violinist and it, when you start to hear real analog instruments and that's why i think part of the resurgence is going in vinyl is that it's more like that i mean we all want digital it's all the convenience you want to have variety but at the end of the day is you're not going to get the real true analog experience unless it's analog and of course when you're when you're coming off a record and you're going to ad it so you're going to analog digitally convert it if you do it with good enough gear and high enough resolution you can't tell a difference well, at least i can't tell a difference i had that done to me i had kind of blue played on a three hundred thousand dollar stereo off vinyl and then he took the same record and he D- AD converted and he played it through the DAC and he had me, it was blindfold. I didn't know which one was which. I could not tell the difference because when the record was digitized and that's what the new active speakers will do. They'll have the ability to, to digitize your record. So you'll still get, you'll capture the analog experience as long as the gear is good enough. And then I think you're in the best of both worlds. And that's sort of thing what you want to educate people on. That's where we're going. So that's like a a turntable with a built-in phono preamp. I mean, a turntable with uh, the phono out, and then it goes into a pair of active speakers that have a phono preamp. Is that what you're saying? And a nice DAC. So you're pretty much there. Like you've got three pieces of gear. You've got a, a, a turntable, the speakers, and a sub. Yep. And then you have some way to stream your... Uh, digital, but that's built into the speakers now. I mean, that's built into the cap. Well, but you have to stream the music somehow, so you have to have a source, right? So whether that's a computer, or a phone, doing you know whether it's title or you're streaming from a computer from Rune, whatever it is. So oh right, right, okay. There's one other sure gear there. So I, I think that's where it's going. I think sharing that with people and showing them the advantages and then what you can do with that, because you, as you said, for a very little dollar. You can you can have magical experiences now, like those little caps. I want to hear those little caps. They look fantastic. Yeah, the little mini LS, yeah, 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 yeah. LSX or something. Again, that kind of thing where you you have just little speaker. I have the feeling they're going to sound really good just because of the design, right? Once you start putting in class D amps and small spaces and with good ADDA, you know, your analog to digital digital to analog converters, and then pulse width modules, we're going to follow it sort of the next few years, that's what will happen. So I think having a, a, an environment where you can share all that and they can hear different versions of that because it's all going to sound differently. I think that's marvelous. Mm. But this whole dinosaur thing, they, they just need to do, do their own dinosaur thing. You're not going to attract the younger crowd that likes lifestyle and phones and swiping and streaming. They're not going to be interested in your dinosaur world by by the most part. Yeah, they They might eventually graduate there like you know you might hear something and say you know what that sound is like i get it i get why people are spending you know a bunch of money but i I mean man my you alluded to it earlier where you said you know your ears have changed over the years i used to say 
give me like five grand. I could put a nice system together that I think would sound great. And now that number's like 40, <laughs> you know, like it has definitely grown a little bit, uh, since I've, I've heard other stuff. Cause now I go, all right, I'm building it around the Kef blades, which are 17 to 24 grand. And then I need to build the rest of it out. Uh, but I think those speakers are so good that they'll, you know, they'll get me there to that world-class sound. But there's a lot of them now. I mean, it's not a huge stretch. Once you get into this thing to go, all right, I'm going to drop 10 grand on a pair of speakers. You know, that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. And there's at that $10,000 price point, which I think is probably the high ceiling for this show. You know, I think that's probably the highest that a, a beginner, you could still call a beginner, is investing $10,000 in speakers. Um, man, have we heard some killer speakers for ten grand over the last couple of years. There's just some monsters out there. So, you know, remember, remember the Zoo audio ones in uh, Denver a couple of years ago? Rocky Mountain, they were Zoo with um, Peachtree. Two, two rel subs. Do you remember those in that oh, big yeah. room? Oh, that was a legendary sounding system, and it was fifteen grand. Well, that's the other thing at the show, and I should mention is one of the things is, which to me and you, you you like this as well, is the realism of the stereo as best you can be, and um, size of your sub matters. It's it's more manly to have bigger subs, and although um, I've been kind of convinced to go with these smaller and faster subs for smaller speakers, at the show I was beginning to doubt this advice because. The rooms that had 12 to 15 inch subs sounded more like music. Mm. And like, because when you walk in, you just got that punch. And even on lower volume, I mean, Class D has a lot more presence at lower volume. Um, but it, it, even if it's an AB or even an AMP and you turn it up high enough, but you want that big bass presence. And I, and I found even in the better rooms without the subs, just... I didn't get the same experience like I was walking in listening to a band. I was walking and listening to a record or a CD player. But when I got that real punch, it was more realistic. So, Well, I would say I agree with that 100%. I've been uh, demoing. I th- I'm not sure if we've talked about this, but SVS sent me their SB3000 and their PB3000. So one is the sealed uh, sub, which is very similar to the 2000s, a little bit bigger. It's a little bit bigger woofer. But the, the PB3000 is a kitchen table. It is a gigantic piece of gear. It's got these two huge ports on the bottom. It is just gigantor. And I'm not fully set up yet. Like, I haven't really optimized and EQ'd and done all the things. I haven't rerun my, you know, EQ on my, my receiver or anything yet. But, dude, it's it's that almost imperceptible deep uh uh like uh, uh I, don't, I don't i'm trying to say this without using the word bass but it's like this it's like the infrastructure of a song and it's this this almost fill imagine filling up the room with two feet of water and then you're sort of playing on top of it. You know what I mean? Like just the, the way that those subs fill the room and you know, my room, it's not giant. It's also a little weird, but Holy moly, does it make a difference? 
So I, I agree, man. Bigger, bigger may, I mean, with the technology they have now and active EQ and all the things, you might be able to pull off a bigger sub even when you're sticking straight music because of the technology involved. And also, uh, it was interesting, I had a debate at one of the designers at the show about this and they were talking about, and it was interesting, it was one of the guys that, that has an, an active bass system and I actually like the bass system, but he, I asked him, he said, oh, it's mono. I kind of look at him like mono. Yeah, it's all mono because, you know, crosstalk this and that. Okay, I get it. But interesting, the speaker designer started to jump in because he was very insistent that it's mono. And I said, well, there is at times under 70 hertz, there is stereo sound. I haven't, they were doing five channel. Um, They were doing five subs to fill the room, which I hadn't seen on two channel. But I said, I have heard single subs versus dual subs in a larger room, there was no comparison that the a sub per speaker was massively better. And that's one of the things in this new generation that they're, they're having a single sub out. You need a dual sub out from each of the, the active speakers, because my experience has been that two subs matter. Mm. And now I'm thinking two subs and the size of the driver really does matter. It's it's not true. It's not true. They say, well, it's faster, and, and it, yeah, that I've heard it. But like you said, once you got a sub the size of the kitchen table, yes. So <laughs> it's hilarious. 15, Fifteen inch plus. So you know, minimum ten for twelve. Fifteen is awesome. Right. So, you know, that's the next thing I'm going to start to experiment with is. Well, if I can, I, I literally cannot physically get it to your house. So you'd ha- you're going to have to come down here. Um, the FedEx guy, I, I told Patrick this on the last show, but the FedEx guy, I mean, he br- it was a pallet. He brought a pallet. And these three subwoofers were on this pallet. And I, it was hilarious. I'm like, it is, it is gigantic. It's taller than your car, you know? It's subwoofers. <laughs> and uh, he goes, I can't, uh, I can't help. You know, I have steps in my house. I have to go up steps. And he goes, I can't help you. I'm, I'm not allowed. And I go, dude what are you talking about? Like, you're not going to leave me with this 150 pound box, uh, to gigantic box to go up the steps. And so he ended up bringing his dolly from the truck and I had to lug it up the steps, but I said, dude, just stand underneath it just in case it starts falling off, which it did, of course. And he had to push it back on a couple of times, but, but it was just hilarious. And it is, it is immovable on my own. So pick, pick where you want it. And that's where it's living is how that's going. Um, Excellent. Anyway, so, well, that's, I think it's pretty interesting, man. I, I think you're right. I think it's, it is the most disruptive uh, area for, for us to, um, to delve into. I think it's pretty fun. And I think for people that are kind of getting into this hobby, it's a, it's a pretty neat, you know, it's a pretty good time to be in because I think we have the most change and disruption happening right now. Um, than we've had probably in the history of, of, of uh, audio in probably the last 30 years. Oh, right now for the dollar, what you can get and, you know, um, and again, when you go with an active set, the synergy has been done for you. The hardest thing to do is synergy, right? You know, I got the right cables. Is it amp like those speakers? You know, it's a sensitivity match. My, I got an impedance mismatch. I read about this amp, but it turned out not to like the speakers and it doesn't sound very good. It's like, I got the speakers, I plug them in, they sound good. Yeah, because it's already all done. Right. It's already, we've, the, the, the word is done. 
Um, so for you guys who are listening, we would love to get your, if you had a dream audio conference, uh, what would you do? Like, what would you guys want to hear? Just in case, you know, hypothetically, we are able to do something like this. What would you want? Like, how would you want this thing to work? Uh, email me, beginneraudiophile at gmail.com, beginneraudiophile at gmail.com with whatever, or you can go to the website and click on the contact form, and that also goes to me as well, beginneraudiophile.com. Um, Paul, let's do one question before we get out of here. Uh, this is from Mark Summer, and he says, Hey, I'm very happy to, to have just recently discovered your podcast. I've been a longtime music fan, but just recently found the whole audiophile community. I was diagnosed with early-onset Parkinson's three years ago at the age of 50. I'm still able to work, but when I get home, I don't have the concentration to sit and watch television on a regular basis. This has helped lead me back into listening to music regularly and eventually to your podcast. I'm in the process of what I would consider building my first truly beginner audiophile system. I have a limited budget, but hopefully get a good start. I'm currently looking at the Marantz MM7025 power amplifier paired with the Marantz AV7005. I'm looking at uh, getting Lin Nexus LS250 speakers, finally looking at a Rega P2 turntable to finish my initial system. My Parkinson's systems, excuse me, my Parkinson's symptoms are more like arthritis instead of shakes, in case you're wondering how I'd use a turntable. Uh, my question for you guys is, what are my options on a budget for using Tidal with this setup? I'm mainly using Amazon Prime Unlimited to stream, but after listening to your podcast, I feel like I'm missing out on maximizing my music. I appreciate any help you can provide on adding this service uh, and any thoughts <coughs> on this, <coughs> excuse me, the system setup. Thank you in advance, and I appreciate all the information you guys share. I hope you had a great weekend. So the reason I brought this one up, Paul, is because you're a doctor, obviously, and so you've, you've sort of been on, uh, you know, you, you have some idea of what he's going through. Um, I like his gear choices uh, across the board. I think they're um, they're great. Um, the he he's really looking at the the seven uh, the AV seven zero zero five is um, it's an AV preamp, so it's not exactly like pure you know audiophile. The amp he's choosing is great. It's part of their separates. The, the, I have zero problems with his gear. I'm not familiar with the Lin two fifties. Are you? Uh, I am. Uh, I have a couple of questions. If he's just going to do two channel, yep. um, I would suggest auditioning some of the active speakers. This is just what we were talking about. Just what we were talking about, right. I would go and look at Bowers and Wilkins, um, Dyne Audio, and uh, especially Kef. At SVS, obviously. And SVS. And, yep. and, and try, try it. Everyone's at different price points. I think for the amount that you would spend that you would want to put in a rel or an SVS sub, whatever works for you. Um, and I think you'll spend your whole budget, but you'll get far more world-class sound by doing that than you will trying to do separates today. It just, it doesn't compare price point wise. And then making sure your digital front end, like if you're running your, your turntable into your active speakers, you have to make sure those active speakers take that feed. You may need a, a phono, uh, preamp um, and project uh, makes a really nice one, a tube one. It's not very expensive. 
Yeah, it depends uh, on the uh, it depends on the the active speaker. Some of them have them built in, some of them don't. Yeah, you, so you definitely want to have an active speaker that has that ability, or they have a box that has that ability. Uh, and combining all that, you I think you'd spend um, even if you spent the same money, you would have far better sound, and I think you would enjoy that uh, more because spend the money on title. You want to make sure you get the hi-fi version, which is nineteen ninety five a month. I will tell you, having streamed everywhere from 35,000 feet in airplanes <laughs> to the ground, um, that the master streaming from Tidal is at the moment the best quality you get. And that's the master. That's the MQA. You don't have to have an MQA DAC, but the, the master quality from Tidal. And if you can afford it, I would definitely put uh, Rune on a, on a computer and then stream your Tidal to the computer. Make sure that the speakers you get are Rune endpoint ready. And I think solving the digital on the front end for not for very little money, other than the subscription, um, I think it ruins one hundred twenty dollars or one hundred twenty nine dollars a year or something, or you buy a lifetime. Uh, that combination, I would listen to those things before I would try and do separates. You're going to spend a lot of time and effort trying to do separates and match it, and this way you you would have it mostly done for you. You can concentrate on the other hard stuff, which is you know the room and. You know, as Michael says about carpets and diffusers and couches and where curtains are and all that stuff. So you can spend your time working on that instead of spending a huge chunk of it worrying about the synergy of the system. Right. I mean, I love the the Rega P2 is awesome. It's a great turntable. You're, you're, that's a fine place. Um, if you decided that you wanted to stick with all of this, um, Mark, where you were like, I really like, you know, for whatever reason, maybe you get a, maybe you're having a great deal and maybe your neighbor's going to sell you the stuff for cheap or whatever the deal is. Then I've been really enjoying the, uh, the blue sound, the blue sound node, which I think you still have the, the amplified one, Paul, on your, on your, in your house. Um, yes. I've really enjoyed that as a, like a central, um, you know, a central brain for for a system i think it works really well there's a number of them out there mark right now michael explain what 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 the the function of that is that is a basically it's a streaming box so the one that i was talking about particularly the one so they have a a non-amplified version an amplified version and one that also burns your cds we reviewed them a couple episodes ago and this is just a little square box and that connects to the internets and it has all the streaming services built into it. And then it has all the ports you need to stick to your speakers. So, you know, if you wanted to do the amplified version, you could just buy the amplified version and connect your Lin Nexus LS two fifties directly to that, to that one. And then bring your, your turntable right into it as well. Um, if you wanted to skip the Marantz situation. Now you didn't mention if you were, just looking at complete two channel, or this needs to be a little more of a, um, you know, a, a holistic system that you can listen to in your house. If that is the case, a lot of the new Marantzes have uh, their own version of, you know, Sonos. So they have title and all that stuff's built in. They can be Rune endpoints. They're AirPlay, AirPlay 2. They have all the things. So if you really wanted to go separates and you really wanted to, um, you know, do all, here's what I'll tell you. I've had uh, in my system now a Marantz <clears throat> receiver for the last, I don't know, eight years, nine years. Uh, I switched over to separates. I also switched to their, the most powerful version 
that they had, which is the 8012, I think, last year, couldn't tell a lick of difference between any of it. So I think Marantz has good hardware, and I don't know that you're going to hear a gigantic difference between their, you know, any of their AV gear um, at that level. I think once you get into their complete, like, pro, you're going to spend twenty five grand level, then, yeah, maybe. But you have to decide, especially with your condition, what's more important right now. I, one thing I like about what Paul said, which is having a set of active speakers and a subwoofer, is if you don't feel like getting up and putting a record on, you can just stream right from your phone and do title, or you can stream from your computer computer and do title and, and be done with it, you know? So it's something to think of sort of down the road. Um, so I think the overall thing is, I think it sounds great. I would use something like the Blue Sound if you really wanted to stick with the other stuff. But I think we're both uh, simpatico in saying that if you can listen to some active stuff, in fact, if there's a, uh, what is it called? What's the one in Best Buy, Paul? The, uh, the, you know, the nice high-end stereo shop that's within Best Buy? Oh, uh, Magnolia. Magnolia. Magnolia has, like, the CAF LS50 wireless. I think they have Emotiva. Or maybe not Emotiva. They have, um, uh, I've seen the other ones. Well, it doesn't matter. Go in there and check them out. They have a bunch of amplified two-channel type speakers. And, uh, yeah, I think that's what I would do. What do you think? Oh, I think it's Feel great good? advice all the way around. It's always fun, and it's beautiful is that, you know, this is a nicer experience for your brain to be listening to beautiful music, and it's a wonderful journey to, to go down. So congratulations. Are you, are you allowed to make a, uh, like, a vitamin or supplement suggestion, or is that not allowed because you're a doctor? I don't know enough to, to what I could comment on this, but... Okay. Uh, I can tell you that listening to music is great for the brain. Okay. That's good. Fair enough. Um, folks, you've now just listened to another episode of Beginner Audio File, everybody. Thanks, as always, for listening. Uh, Paul, it's been a little slice of heaven, my friend. So good to, to catch up with you again and talk a little audio. Um, any gear that you're checking out in the next few weeks? Turntables Ooh. and... Phono preamps. Okay, mm-hmm. I will look forward. And I've waffled. I've waffled. I haven't. I haven't heard them yet, but I'm. I'm waffling. Okay. I thought I had it figured out, but I. I may change. So that'll be a very interesting show. Now that I'm, now I'm like you. I mean, I. I do have a healthy budget, but I prefer not to use. Them. Not because I'm in cheap, but I always. I like the challenge of spending less and getting more. So can what can I do for less money and get? 80-90% of that three hundred to $500,000 system. What can I get for a turntable that's going to be less than 1000 Do I have to spend 1500 Do I have to spend 2000 But I'm not spending 150000 Because I know from my experience that things will matter like how well I line up that needle. I'm going to know setup's going to be everything and that I'm going to, I know for certain that 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 phono preamp is going to be massively important and the interconnects. And so I, I know I can put some effort and brain power and really make up for a lot of the price. So we'll okay. see. Yeah, we'll you, see. You will be part of the journey. Very good. Uh, folks, keep listening to great music. We will talk to you very soon. Thanks for listening to Beginner Audiophile. 
more gear giveaways and answers to your questions, join our mailing list at beginneraudiophile.com. Tag pictures of your audio setup to at beginneraudiophile on Instagram. Until next time, keep experiencing great music.